Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast series was created in collaboration with the Great Escape Festival, the festival for new music. The Great Escape is a three-day music festival in Brighton which kicks off this year's UK festival season. It is renowned for highlighting emerging artists and for showcasing new music. And this year is no exception with over 450 incredible up-and-coming artists from all over the world on the lineup. The Great Escape will be running from the 11th to the 14th of May 2022 across 35 venues all within walking distance of one another. In this collaborative podcast series, I'll be interviewing four key artists from the lineup and discussing their past, present and future and the music that binds those experiences. See you in Brighton. You know, when these parts of your like unconscious or of your like self start to kind of get loud, I yeah. think you have better pay attention because otherwise you're going to have problems. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Vocal Girls podcast with me, Megan Gray. This week, I'm speaking to musician, poet, designer, and so much more, Sinead O'Brien. This could be freedom. This is something else. This could be a study on life living. This could be less hooked up on the making. Site-specific installation hooked up on the making. The most modern Sinead's music has strong and clear intentions. Focused on language, Sinead uses melody to add power to her words, making listening experiential. Combine that with the music of guitarist Julian Hansen and drummer Oscar Robertson, and you have a distinctive and original sound that is instantly recognisable. Originally from Limerick, Sinead studied fashion design in Dublin before working as a full-time designer for Galliano in Paris and then Vivian Westwood in London, all until she felt a calling to start creating in the music world. In this episode, we speak about the music that led her to becoming an artist, responding to the room in a live setting, and what we can expect from her highly anticipated debut album, Time Bend and Break the Bower. Just landed yesterday from South by Southwest and yeah it's a, it's a great thing to start just straight in <laughs> and you surprised me by saying you're not tired you're feeling refreshed yeah I don't know the the trip seems to have wiped my card clear um I think I'm ready for I just feel very um inspired by what I saw really and I just I, I'm in the mood to write right after this I'm gonna go <laughs> right <laughs> when you say what you saw is that someone in particular that you watched or just like the people that you met it was, so imagine seven days of non-stop talking, conversations, performances, uh, our shows, other people's shows, meeting people you kind of know from London, you know, getting to know them mm. better, all of these kind of things. And then networking with uh, like, yeah, people you don't know. And it's just all of that. Like even I, I had like amazing Uber drivers. Oh my God. Like all of the locals in Texas, so characterful. Just, you know, I... I started doing actually all of these like little interviews with people late in the night. So me and Oscar, um, oh wow, we get my phone with the flashlight and go around like hunting people and be like, <laughs> you know, just asking them random questions and putting the camera to them. And then it's kind of like Louis Theroux style. What was the favorite answer that you got? Oh, we interviewed this guy from Chile about his hair. That was that was amazing. And then I gave him a chance like to, to talk about my hair as well, actually. 
Um, what did he say? He said I was like uh, a girl from The Ring. Oh, wow. <laughs> Charming. <laughs> I took it as a, as a compliment. I was, I, was, I was into that. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find sort of being on the road enjoyable? I know you've said before about liking routine. Are you able to find any kind of sense of routine whilst you're out there? Yeah. I kind of surprise myself constantly because I think when I'm in London, I I love my routine, but I'm probably like even like too kind of fixed in it. Mm. Um, I, I, I like, yeah, when I'm away, I think I really go with what's happening when I'm away and I, I kind of want to bring that back here a bit. I mean, since I'm my own boss, you know, like why do I need to be at the desk? I mean, I do because that's the discipline with writing. But mm. like, you know, I mean, I have the freedom. I should feel the liberation of coming and going. I take a week and go to the sea all of that like mm. I want to bring a bit of that back with me but yeah um being away I I just really get into the moment and like I kind of take a lot of delight and you know whatever opportunities are coming I just take a change of course and go with these people or go to that party or you know mm. like that's it's kind more of, kind of free-flowing yeah yeah it's interesting I feel like sometimes you go away and you end up more exhausted than when you left and yeah. that feels really frustrating yeah and sometimes as you said like what you've experienced you feel completely recharged and it's like that clash lyric don't you ever stop long enough to start yeah it's like being able to take the time to think about where you're going next rather than constantly going 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 yeah I think only a change can kind of do that it's like some sort of a gap in your it's like yeah a marathon I don't know I picture it like kind of this Francis Bacon painting I saw where it's like a greyhound track going round and round and it's like this blur where you have no you, you have no zoom out you're just in it until something block gives you a mm. blockade and and you're forced to either stop or change turn around go again mm. like I think that's what the trip did for me um so I have a chance to kind of reassess where what I want to do now next it's really useful yeah I think you can it's kind of hard to bring that about yourself definitely and sometimes it can even be a bad bad change that yeah. happens like yeah. something really jarring and uncomfortable that causes that but sometimes it's what's needed yeah well it's an exciting time then yeah definitely so tell me about what you picked for your past song and why you chose it so the, yeah this past song this is something I was recommended by a, a guy I met um, on a night out. Uh, I, I mean, I often just like exchange music with people when mm. I'm chatting, I don't know, in the smoking area. The best area. kind of conversation. Yeah, <laughs> like I've got lists on my phone, I'm sure you do yeah. too, you know, your reference section. Um, so yeah, it's Tony Conrad and Faust and the song is called This Side of Womankind. Um, it's basically like a minimalist drone um, track. Um, so... I was listening. It's very, very long. I mean, if we're going to play that thing, choose a section. It's very long. <laughs> yeah, so, it's 20 minutes. <laughs> is it? Yeah, listen to it on the is way out. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, what happens in that track, like, it's kind of the first time I I w- became aware of, like, a drone a drone track, actually. Mm. Like, I mean, I'm sure if I had heard music before that that had, like, sounds like that in it. But so it kind of, like, I started listening to it and it kind of started feeling like, oh, I, I need to do something on top of this. So it was the first time that something clicked in my head. It's before I performed or did any readings out loud. I mean, I had notebooks upon notebooks, but I never thought yet of, like, saying them out loud. I hadn't mm. even said them out to myself. Um, and it, it, like, urged me. And, I'm, yeah, because it's so long and kind of mesmeric and, like, because it builds and builds, it, it's 
the most perfect like landscape or soundscape especially for like you know what with my mm. what I do um so it kind of spurred me on and I it's like really ridiculous what I did but I I had it on in my room when I was living in Hoxton and I had no equipment like no musical equipment I think I used was it photo boot or iPhoto whatever that stupid setting yeah. on the iMac <laughs> as a recording device yeah with that playing in the background and then I did like a little kind of portrait video and I started reading out my poems on top of it and then like, wow. I, my friend who I lived with Niall I was like Niall Niall quick quick and, like he came running down I was like I've I did this and like we just sat and kind of watched it and we're like it, something clicked and that it became like okay there there's a vehicle and there's the words and now something's gonna happen mm. so yeah I don't know like what it was about that or I I don't know like you know it wasn't music the kind of music that I kind of listened to or I wasn't really even into Faust or anything mm. like that or Tony Conrad um but something about the minimalist kind of the the way that the music didn't obviously have lyrics mm. I think that would be because I never listen to music that doesn't have lyrics um, yeah. apart from classical uh, that doesn't really make me feel like reading or singing yeah. um, it's a different thing it's already so full isn't it um, yeah maybe it was how sparse it was yeah it felt like you could bring something to yeah, it yeah kind of like it needed and then and then when I started to go to gigs like uh, like after that I would start in my head not, I wouldn't say improving what I was hearing, but I would start like adding to whatever I was hearing. Mm. A gig in the Shackleball Arms or uh, whatever, All Blue Last, like all the gigs I would go to several times a week. I would start like adding in my head and like ignoring whatever the vocal was that was happening. So it was like I was playing with their music and saying, yeah. what would I be doing? And then, yeah, and then very quickly after that, I just, a friend, Sophie, she was putting on that Night in the Windmill at Brixton. Yeah. And she was like, oh, will you read at this? Will you do a performance? Um, and so I grabbed Niall, my friend, and I was like, okay, let's do this. And then, yeah, and then I just Amazing. started to sculpt something. But it's cool how that song, yeah. He reminded me of this recently. I, I hadn't thought about it since then, like the stupid eye photo or eye booth, whatever the hell that is. Like, I had yeah, not yeah, remembered yeah. that. It's so basic. That was the moment. It's like Microsoft Word. It's like, yeah, I like know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> What's so, so weird is that when I was on the way here, I was listening to the song that you've chosen. Yeah. And I was also reading through some of your lyrics at the same time I was listening. Really? And when I was reading whilst listening to the song, it made me feel quite emotional. And I was like, this makes it feel like it's they're supposed to be together. Yeah, like it's in somewhere. That's so weird. How it's like embedded. That's kind of yeah. what happened. That's really cool. Like, yeah, I I feel like I'm revisiting like um the the whole like the possibility with using drones. But mm. like I, I when I'm creating demos myself, before I get a chance to go with the boys, I often create drones, but with my voice now and using different effects to try to just get something distant in the background that doesn't interfere with the words yeah. to give me a bed to go on. And me and my boyfriend would talk about it a lot and like through talking kind of spark ideas, you know, like a drone is just like the most useful kind of writing tool for me rather than a piano or mm. a guitar sometimes I pick up a guitar and I do something very like amateur like um, I can play chords but like I don't really use it to write that much but I never use a piano to write even though I could it's, it's mm. like they're they're too close 
to words yeah, that you feel yeah, yeah. to so like it's kind vocal. of like the drone enables you to find your own melody within your voice yeah because yeah. I because exactly I need to like infuse not just meter and rhythm and tempo I, I need to infuse melody into the words before I can imagine what the music needs to be mm. so then I remove the drone and yeah. then and then we have the basis for what I need to bring to the voice basically yeah wow yeah. And so your first gig, I suppose, was at the windmill. Yeah. And how did people react to that when you were doing that for the first time? Yeah, well, I would say, like, I think it was a bit... Like, the night was poetry, like, readings and whatever, and, yeah, it definitely fit in. But I think it was probably hard for me or for people to know, like, what exactly it was yet, because Mm. it was... I think it definitely had some, like, melody in it. Um, It wasn't just a reading, I suppose, because of the guitar... Um, which, because of me and Nal's friendship and connection, yeah. I think they played in together more than just somebody r- making a bit of ambient music underneath. Mm. Um, like we talked about what the mood of each guitar piece he would play, even though we didn't practice them. It gave him like all of the instruction he needed and then it was kind of spontaneous. Um, Quite reactive almost. Yeah, definitely. Like, which is what I love more than anything. Yeah. Like working intuitively and um, letting someone do their thing as well as mm. as much as, you know, giving feedback and like instruction. Um, yeah, I was actually really sick that night. Like I had quite a, like I think I had a really bad cold and I had some painkillers I had to take and like I felt numb in, in a weird way. But yeah, um, I, I just knew that like, okay, I hit on something that was, had a really different feeling for me than like my design work or um, any of the other uh, stuff I was involved in at the time and yeah. I thought like this is really for me like I need to now build on this so like without too much of it I didn't I didn't imagine like that far down the line or anything I didn't think about a band I thought I never I still never think about it like a band like with Julian mm. and Oscar it's such a unique setup it's a triangle like I don't yeah. know, need to call it anything like yeah I just knew okay I want to find musicians because Nal was in his own band at the time so I I just needed to then like you know, find people that wanted to work together, even if it was on a casual basis. And at first it was, I worked with some friends who were already in other bands and I do nights like that kind yeah. of repetitively. And yeah, then then I did meet the boys and we could kind of start to form something more permanent or like more concrete at least, yeah. So initially it was kind of about fulfilling something inside you that mm. you felt like you'd awoken in some sense that needed to be kind yeah. of seen through. Yeah, I think I didn't, yet know like what exactly I needed so I didn't know I need a guitarist and mm. I need a drummer I, th- I thought like I need to find someone who likes to make sounds yeah and let's try to find the right person who can make sounds and has time because I also knew I don't I don't want like something and then that it's gone again I want to I want to build something yeah. now so um how did you meet the boys I met Julian on the dance floor at Mott Club I think it was a cave Brilliant. club night actually we were both with people like groups but then we ended up like in that moment alone and we mm. kind of like caught eyes and more than that caught like dance moves <laughs> <laughs> great that. way of communicating um yeah we just started like making shapes and like dancing at each other i think he was like you look like the girl from indiana jones and then i was like what <laughs> explain <laughs> yeah i mean I, we didn't start talking about doing stuff together immediately that mm. was just kind of a friendship that right. was starting anyway um and we just started hanging out we like we'd hang out in my room in Hoxton and he'd pick up my guitar and we'd be having like pizza or whatever and then I, I'd, my notebook would always be at hand and I'd re- like start reading out stuff over that and yeah yeah it became like that and then really spontaneously he was like let's go do this thing in Hackney Wick there's like a night that his friend ran where 
you could just go and like kind of improvise yeah um really funny because i at south by southwest made really good friends with that the girl who ran that at you know and like it's like such a clo- closing the loop now mm. she's called Nuha. um it was called sunday service the night it still it still happens but we didn't meet again until now no and way. she put that on and that was like again it was like another one of the first performances i did yeah. because yeah because it was with julian it was the first of that it was brilliant i had like 100 people sitting cross-legged in a massive warehouse and everyone's so like lovely and receptive and you know you'd watch one act after the other and you'd get ideas and you'd mm. chat afterwards and, and everyone's kind of rooting for each other exactly and yeah. there was no sense of needing to have finished work in fact i think it's a place to try out work um without having to book a gig you know yeah it's really yeah. valuable that kind of stuff it is in the stillness Fences, liminal spaces, traps, clocks, a tired engine, longing for rest against the watch, a desperate soul, please for a pause. Remember when the virgin rock and statues come to a stop. And bear with me while I rewind for a bit, just because mm-hmm. I would love to know a bit more. You grew up in Limerick, is that correct? Yeah. And was music a big thing for you kind of growing up? Yeah, music was really big growing up. I think um, in secondary school, like I went to this convent, it was quite strict, um, kind of like Catholic all-girls school. Um, and I kind of suddenly found uh, my best friend, Aoife, in that school. And like over music, we kind of bonded and like mm. kind of started to build our tastes t- together, I would say. Um started listening to it was Pixies and Kings of Leon at the moment that we met mm-hmm. like that we were bonding over um, we went to like this amazing it, it was like a double headliner um, of Pixies and Kings of Leon in Dublin oh wow it was like one of our first things we did together I think when we were like 15 or 16 in Phoenix Park like this huge outdoor stadium um, such an experience like it was amazing um, yeah so like in Limerick Dolan's was the major like is still the major like venue that like kind of international acts come to they also mm. program like local limerick bands and um yeah we saw various people there like css that was really fun um i didn't know actually at the time but i think they were working with dan carey oh wow yeah um we were quite into them actually i mean i think we loved the performative aspect like me and Eva would kind of when we would go to our the nightclub like on weekends we would like do performances of love cats like we would we had cat masks and we had choreographed dances because I love this like skipped our gym class at school to like make the dance for that night um also Dedication. Just, yeah oh my god <laughs> no it just like I guess just you know kind of starting to perform in a way like um yeah she's also in a band she's in when young so oh, okay I think it was just like starting to find outlets and yeah yeah and it, I've seen you before say that you kind of were really interested in music and artists that kind of provided this whole experience like that kind of engulfed you yeah. as a whole. Why do you think that was something that you were so kind of taken to? Like artists that, that have kind of an immersive world, mm. like, yeah, rather, rather than just kind of, yeah, rather than artists who kind of release stuff and then change and then just kind of, yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe within pop it's a little bit more two-dimensional for me and then like within kind of other genres you kind of get like maybe it's because of the type of labels people are on and stuff like that as well like you certainly get more of a sense of a, mm. of like the artist when when they have this whole world uh, like it that seeps into their visuals like yeah um 
like when you can access their written work like yeah artists who release like you know lyric books or poetry books or um kind of surplus like material that's not just the music mm. um i really connect with that because it just feels very authentic and like it's not just about taking the box and having the next set of songs there yeah. it, it's like what goes on in their reality like yeah it feels more authentic in a way yeah yeah and i feel like i can only do this as a like i wouldn't call it like job or career like that's it doesn't really feel right but i could mm. only like do music and writing and all of that um if i can do it like in a really wholesome holistic way mm. um that kind of yeah because like you know i just left my design job at vivian westwood and in that job it was like i had multiple jobs and now because of this transition and because i have so much more time to focus on it now i feel like i i satisfy all of those different criteria in mm. this mode of being because when i do the videos or when i do like shoots or any like any of the creative i get to be the stylist i get to be the designer i you know yeah. for the merch i design that stuff like all of that um putting people together for collaborations like all of those things um yeah I feel like it's a very satisfying like uh I don't really want to call it a job but yeah I know it, yeah it I is know. my job now so I had better start calling it that <laughs> um but yeah everything it seems to be possible within this and I'm kind of just opening up more and more and more and realizing you know it, it's not one thing it's it's mm. the ho- the whole like um yeah it's the whole and obviously music is like the primary output for it but how lucky like you know how, how yeah that you get to kind of involve all those elements of your yeah, interest exactly exactly that's yeah that's really vital I don't know like I didn't I didn't kind of see that before like looking at other bands or artists you don't sometimes get that sense like that there is all those other things but I mean some people just don't really I guess want to engage with mm. all those you can hand stuff over very easily there's people willing to do all of that, like, yeah. and it's it's not about money or label size or anything like that. Like, there are just ways of like giving a video to someone and having them do it. Like, that's the normal way of doing it. But like, I spend months working on the videos with like yeah. the directors and with the stylist. Like, I'm choosing everything I'm wearing because like that's mm. a really part of big you passion kind of, of mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was absolutely <clears throat> fascinated when I read that you were a designer for Vivian Westwood. Like, I just, I can't understand how you have all these talents. So impressive. I was totally overwhelmed by it all. So you obviously went to um, study design in Dublin and then you moved to Paris Mm. and was designing there. And then you worked for Vivian Westwood. Mm -hmm. I think it's so wonderful how you can kind of move between these different things. Have you ever found it? difficult to balance them and have you ever been kind of torn between them I guess obviously you've only just left the job was that something that was difficult beforehand when you were designing full-time um the only thing that was difficult was spreading my time Mm. um because that job was so demanding it there was no 90 percent you know it was like it was full-on it was always an emergency it was always a deadline Mm. for seven years it's not been a deadline so I'm kind of just coming out of that I felt like I took a bit to readjust like over Christmas I nearly crashed I was the first time I've had time off where I have headspace felt crazy like really crazy so like I'm readjusting now into like a more healthy like like more healthy rituals and kind of like I'm really busy now because the music stuff has become mm. yeah it occupies all the time so it you always can, happens like that doesn't it yeah <laughs> like one thing after another but you can imagine like why I needed to leave it was 
it's mm. nothing got to do with like leaving design behind like I'm you know I'm a designer still yes. too um, but yeah when there's two things that are occupying full space I mean something is suffering and actually none of the work suffered it was actually just me who would who would probably suffer at the end so I just mm. decided to call it because uh, yeah my, I'm so protective over my music and over my creative work and that's the priority um, at this when point. did that become the priority? So kind of beneath the surface like at Westwood I was kind of happily you know going along like climbing up and getting like you know promoted different titles whatever um over the years so I was there about two or three years and I was starting to get more serious um and then I took a sudden trip to New York Mm. I think it was 2000 it was 2018 I went to New York and I was like oh I'm gonna change everything I want a design job here I booked like six appointments I got like an agent Mm. um I didn't tell anyone like I borrowed the money I just went um and I did lots of appointments and and met lots of great designers and I was really thinking okay I'm gonna now do that I came back and then said yes to that performance like with my friend Sophie yeah and then I my mindset just totally changed it's it's kind of mad it was just like a small click it was so subtle it was like Mm. rather than this huge gesture of that trip it was actually just the performance at the windmill that changed yeah. it <laughs> and I was like oh that's the change I need but probably going away you know I feel like it has a massive effect on me these trips I take like um yeah yeah that that kind of changed my direction I was gonna say you you strike me as someone full of confidence to pursue what you love and what you want I think that's so inspiring like I love that you had this moment and then you went after it are you ever afraid No, but I think what's useful for me, like, that I had it working in my favour was I had been really dedicated to following that career in women's wear design and I had done it and I had got all the right internships. Every Mm. summer I didn't go to New York on a J1 visa. I didn't get to have all those interrailing holidays. I actually just interned for, like, three summers in a row before I even graduated. Watch your ass off. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, then it worked in my favour that I was lining everything up and I was going to like you know work mm-hmm. in and then when I got the job at Westwood it's it was it was almost like that was all sorted so this other part of me started to kind of need to be heard like yeah um like you know when these parts of your like unconscious or of your like self start to kind of be, get loud I yeah. think you have better pay attention because otherwise you're going to have problems um <laughs> like and look how loud that voice is now it's like my entire being self so <laughs> yeah it really pays to 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 listen to your intuition and everything and like yeah none of the choices or the careers that I've wanted to do are like safe or you know definite or anything like that Mm. but like if it's the thing that you're good at and you're gonna do like it's the only thing you can do so yeah I think you really have to listen it's hard though like you know giving advice to other people about that kind of stuff because it's so case dependent like Mm. I mean you also have to be so pushy so determined like I phoned up Galliano and I was like I'm I told them I was in Paris the next week and I basically forged an interview but they were like we don't interview people only from CSM and I was like I'm in Paris I'm I'm gonna come by with my portfolio and then this guy agreed to see me and I was like the only student that they had taken not from CSM for years yeah so like all of those things you just have to absolutely like make it happen and Mm. I wouldn't have gotten that if I had just you know, being a bit more timid or whatever. So I've been like that for, that's also, that's tiring being yeah. like that. But that's kind of the way I am with everything. Like I absolutely just, I am determined. I am going to get the things I want to 
get like <laughs> and I think it's so beautiful that you as you were talking about before that you've enabled yourself to kind of merge all these passions and kind of make them all of you and um it kind of I find it interesting because obviously working for Vivian Westwood who was so kind of integral to that punk scene and yeah. kind of one didn't exist without the other sort of being around like the Sex Pistols and Viv Albertine and things yeah do you think that working there played in to anything at all with the kind of music that you were making yeah I think like that was really uh, people always talk about character building and whatever but honestly like it's a hard place to work it's mad like time timing schedules like I mean I wasn't working till 1am or anything it's not that kind of place but it's all as I said always urge always urgent always deadlines um so I became extremely organised with my time. It's the only way to see through the chaos. Mm. And all of these different characters, like managing like between all these different kind of types of people and finding like, how do I want to be? Like, I don't want to be the loudest voice in the room and that's how I get heard. Like, that's not yeah. how I want to be heard. Um, but how do I how do I be heard in this crowd of like, you know, mm-hmm. 40 people in a loud room and it's never silent? You know, all of these things like, over time kind of I think I carved out like my my way of presenting myself and um my character definitely and like Vivian Vivian was like kind of like a third grandmother really like to be <laughs> honest it kind of reminds me of like you know in the renaissance when they like artists would have um somebody who like I can't remember the word for it now like not protege but like somebody who would follow them around and shadow mm-hmm. them and um they would pass on their skills like I feel like I was the last designer person that she spent one-on-one time with and passed on like all these skills mm. and by way of that I, she definitely like kind of gave me a sense of self too because facing up against her required being quite like determined um you would have to stand up for yourself a lot or like more like reason why you're doing things there's yeah. always a reason um and sure of your opinion kind of thing very much very much yeah um don't speak unless you're sure of what you're going to say or say, can I come back to it? You know, there's mm. like all these learning learning curves, but um, really, really amazing person to work with for, for those reasons. Um, and obviously, like, yeah. I mean, I wrote my thesis about like Alexander McQueen, John Galliano and Vivian and I, I ended up working for two of them. Amazing. So it was, it was really, yeah, it's really great. Um, Does she like the music? Yeah, I mean, she's not that much... She doesn't listen to that much music, but um, she's always so supportive. People would show her videos of, like, what I was doing. I would be freaking out. Like, why are you showing her this? So embarrassed. And she'd be like, you know, oh, she looks great on stage. Like, let her borrow whatever she wants from the archive. Like, really kind in terms of... Yeah. yeah. And I remember one time going up to the... um, Her, her studio was on the top floor, like, in the on the roof kind of of the of the building and going up and asking permission to take two weeks off for a tour and it was a yes it's like that was my first kind of tour in Europe with Pond actually yeah um it got harder to do that then and you know the, the timing wouldn't allow but I mean how amazing how, how, like when would you get to overlap you know like a music career with I mean this is the thing because obviously these things are so all encompassing these yeah. types of careers as you said you yeah. worked non-stop and um, I think that's what's kind of so special about it I mean that vo- voice that you talk about must have been very loud to enable you <laughs> the time to work on this because it's all yeah. about where you put your time isn't it and that's what's hard yeah I just feel like for the music stuff I always had like a protective thing around it like yeah. I just never wanted 
anything to damage that so when I had recording dates in the diary or if I had mm. something important coming up um, I would do anything it's like having a child I would do anything to make sure that that didn't get touched yep. by the design job mm. anything I would stay like overnight I would work my ass off like there was no way my work wasn't being done in, on time you know like, to allow yeah. like so yeah it's like self care in a way it's like that part of you needed yeah. to be nurtured and therefore yeah, you're protecting that's it. it that's it yeah. yeah and it was so like infantile at the beginning as well that it was like just taking absolute care and like yeah nurturing like I think nurturing is a good is a really good word it's a bit different now because I feel like it's kind of more at the front and it's mm. less like de- of a delicate thing now I'm I mean I've given it all the space and thing that it needs so I can really just be there but at that point it was like anything that would like jar or stop my prevent my chances of like getting to this point of even doing an album like because mm. that's where I kind of had my eye on picked a song for today in your present time what did you choose and why did you choose it that was the full real song united snakes of america i picked it's so good oh my god uh it's quite different to the other song so i yeah i just came back from south by southwest like i said and um i had heard of full real like i think we've got loads of mutual friends um like oscar is quite good friends them too and yeah, I saw them like five times at, at South By because of, well, because of like we were playing before or after each other, but also like, yeah, the boys were kind of going once a day as almost like, <laughs> it was like, we need to go and see for real and our, the day is not set up right. Um, <laughs> just the most refreshing performance I've seen in a long time. Um, what about it? Their expressions are, oh, like it's not just funny though this is the thing there's a subtlety to it it's first of all like it's really clever writing so I feel like the songs they're they're not just pop but but you could say like they're structurally or like whatever written in in a way that the way that they hit you is Mm. is how pop music works you know they're really catchy they get stuck in your head you feel really involved but when you see them it's so it's a much more immersive experience I think like I think you need to see them and then listen it makes a really big difference like their characters are so strong um yeah so then like the guys themselves Elliot and Virgil like their expressions are just (laughs) I mean the only thing I could describe it like or compare it to is like it reminds me a little bit of like Ben Stiller or something but like (laughs) on steroids like they're like they have this like nar- their eyes kind of narrowed a bit and they, they look around the room and this like it's kind of sarcastic and cynical but then they're singing these crazy really catchy pop songs while doing a choreographed dance and just like mirroring each other and they're brothers so the whole thing is like symmetrical and yeah. also their harmonies are working in that way that families do yeah. um so refreshing I just I think that's yeah I think that's it like I think they hit on a really good idea and they're doing it like a thousand percent and that's just I love seeing that I love seeing like somebody or well somebody's um really being themselves you know Mm. um and it's a really weird setup because they're doing to a backing track so it's kind of like the format of karaoke like they're with microphones over a backing track no way yeah this is so interesting. How can that work? Like, <laughs> but they they they're great musicians. Like they take out a flute and a saxophone at various points, and 
But it's brilliant. I mean, how how mobile and versatile. They just pack up and they got their suitcase and then they have their shirts on hangers on their back after the show and they're walking down the road to the next one. I love this. So, so good. I really highly recommend seeing them anyway because, yeah, I couldn't stop smiling. Yeah, really brilliant. Like, very different, you know, from the other things I was seeing. Mm. Yeah. I know what you mean about needing to see someone before you listen to them. There are a few bands like that, aren't there? It just really changes the whole listening experience. It makes experience. the whole... Yeah, it changes the whole thing. Um, yeah, I don't know what it would have been like if I just listened before. I mean, because it's so catchy and the writing is really good and it's quite sarcastic, I think I would already... It would already mm-hmm. click with me in that in that way. Like, I, I, do, I do like the lyrics and the writing, but it's just the persona, which that's always something like, how do you deliver what you're doing? Like, if you take away that part, yeah, you know, it can't it can't be as effective. So, I mean, somebody else doing that, I don't think it would work. I think mm. they know what to do with it, yeah. How would you prefer someone to first listen to your music? Would that, that be ideally in a live scenario? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, even thinking about these last few gigs, um, I mean, we had one that the sound was kind of a bit dodge. We had, like... There was a sound engineer who had never been at that venue before, right. so we had quite like a yeah kind of like a <laughs> no vocal whatsoever. There was just like backing track coming out of the speakers, you know. And we knew that on stage, and we're like, whatever, just gonna do it. And I enjoyed yeah. the gig, and I was dancing loads, and I felt like I was fighting, and I always like fighting, so it was good. <laughs> um, and then someone came up afterwards, and they were like, we were at this one, and like obviously that that guy was not yeah. incompetent and whatever. But they were like. You know, we're so gonna listen now. Have you got an album coming out? Like they just like could see that. I think they were involved in the communication of what yeah. we were like putting across, no matter whether the sound was good or not. So I feel like you can break through to someone in a live setting in a different way. Mm. Um, and because my work is so so lyric focused, and I'm, it's not all storytelling, but of course I love storytelling. Um, some of it, you know, I'm just using the words for how they sound, or you know, I'm using the words. Yeah, sonically. Um, but other times there's a lot of content and I think mm. delivering that to somebody is very different than, you know, even in earphones, I feel like sometimes I'm walking down the street listening to music. You're you're walking down, you're in the middle of London, you're walking around Soho, whatever, and you're one step removed because you're in your reality. It's it's hard to concentrate on music, Yeah, I think, um, in the same way. Like live is just, live is a body experience. It's... So true. Like music, I think it needs to hit you physically, and then, and then you can go away. And I think when you go away and listen, and this ties into what your podcast is about, you are reliving the memory of it as well as, mm. you know, as well as the experience. Then, so it's kind of infused with more. And maybe that's kind of the key, yeah, to kind of understanding new music. Uh, you're right. It kind of it takes you back to that feeling in your stomach yeah. of when you were there. Yeah. And I know you've said before about when people come to your gigs they should expect something different every time mm. you like to kind of react to the room how how does that usually kind of play out for you in what way do you kind of react and change the performance based on the room i think it's it's like intensity and temperature of the performance because i think it's important to be i mean i like having you know the way i want to deliver a song mm. but i i could do my pieces in a library i mean i have done like mm. i think it's got to be that versatile all the way from that to like the most ferocious feeling, you know, like it. I mean, I think like, yeah, one of our gigs at South by 
it felt really intense. The room was so chaotic beforehand. I wasn't on my own for, I think I hadn't spent time alone for like four solid days, including it being, you know, sleeping at night. Like mm-hmm. I had not had a moment alone. Um, and all of that combined with like, right before the gig, I'm like in a corridor where there's like crates being pulled up and down, the, the mm-hmm. alleyway is bustling. And then you come out and the room is packed and there's a big queue around the corner. And like ordinarily that's not ideal, but that gave so much for me to work with. I I felt like that gig was really, really intense and there was like a level of communication. Even the photographers were like interactive, like mm. it felt really dynamic. Um, I think a lot of the time, like it might be visible in my movements, like when, like, yeah, I think, it, it, I think, but I don't think that's like necessarily like the result so I think that's like the last kind of that's the effect of of what I'm doing do you know what Mm. I mean like that's that's just the visual effect of what I'm doing but then um I think like when I see back to a gig I'm like okay I can see how I was feeling because of the performance but yeah I think I think it's in the communication like I love making eye contact with people and having a dialogue I know people always talk about that but it's so true like it it materializes in the sense that you do something somebody has a reaction it's visible on their face and then you in turn have another reaction and it gets built upon and then the the air grows thicker and there's like either tension or release or both and um, I think a lot of tension and release is uh, yeah is happening in, in in a good in a good performance and a good gig um, but it's really like quite a lot of it is down to the room as well um, yeah it can be sometimes really difficult when there's a more static room yeah I was going to ask has there ever been any kind of negative experiences or more yeah. so like re- made you react in a more reserved way yeah it's I, th- I think I'm I'm changing my approach a little bit now because mm. sometimes like real music fans, real, I mean, actually in Europe and some, some parts of Europe, like sometimes in Belgium or France, like the physical um, room is very different to, to London. In London, we're used to like moshing and dancing yeah. and there's a, people are like, people are physically moving um, in a different way. And I'm learning now that that's not a reaction or like, that's not a, sorry, a reflection of, mm. of how much they are paying attention or interest in the music but in any case I don't think that like I don't need to weigh up in the middle of a gig are they enjoying it like that's not the right thing to be doing um it's my job to get into my world and be connected with the boys on stage and deliver the songs in a way that I feel is like right in that room on that night Mm. um to the best of like how I can you know um you're not always at a thousand percent either you know sometimes performances can be toned down paired back like leave a bit of room um and then sometimes it can end up somewhere quite full on but you know it doesn't I don't think I don't always go in at like 10 out of 10 intensity Mm. like I like to sometimes like feel it and let let room and be loose and like see what happens um we had a really interesting one at La Route de Rock um the other day it was great the venue was packed it was really good atmosphere Shane played after us Anika played before us um it was really 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 fun and that room certainly like built you yeah know? like I felt I felt people becoming really engaged and that was that was so satisfying um different all like mm. each, each gig is different I think yeah to pay attention and 
be aware of like what that room is it's just it gives the gig kind of personality and it, make, it makes it feel like current and like appropriate in a, in a way yeah yeah like I just don't think it's always appropriate to be smashing it out like yeah I find that interesting what you were kind of saying about getting the right balance between knowing when to react and also when to concentrate on your what you're doing and yeah. the, the band um I've heard you talk before as well about journalists desire to always I suppose try to label things in ways mm. that aren't necessarily accurate because of yeah trying to kind of share and understand them and I've you've said before kind of that that can be quite difficult for artists because it distracts away from what you're trying to create yeah the subtlety exactly and I suppose how do you how do you get that balance because obviously it is important to look around and to know what else is going on but how do you get that balance of focusing on what you're creating so that it's true to yourself and what you're making whilst also taking inspiration from reaction or audiences and other artists and like I don't I never have had a big problem with comparing myself personally to mm. anyone else like to do it no I, I don't know why I haven't maybe it's it's like my parents or I don't know I think you can see that and that's one of the things that's really inspiring about you oh that's that's cool yeah I think yeah I wouldn't really know how to advise on it though because it's just I guess it's I don't know like I, I mean I think I have blinkers on like like a horse yeah. like I don't look side sideways yeah. really that doesn't mean I don't look to other artists for like you know inspiration or mm-hmm. like I do like I, I take inspiration from a lot of different places but I've always been quite interested in journalism and everything because I love writing mm. so I, I kind of I pay I pay a bit of attention I I read I do read reviews like I, I'm interested like it doesn't affect me too much so mm. I, I'm fine to like be have one eye on it let's say yeah. um, but more for how interesting it is like you know some sometimes there can be journalists who are um, reading another interview and they'll just use that label or tag or comparison that's fine that's funny whatever you know mm. no work has been done great um, there are other <laughs> journalists who are really great like more when I have interviews with journalists or like people who are writing yeah. um, a feature or something or yeah, an interview um, I think I get much more out of those experiences and they tend to do more work yeah. they work harder because there's I mean yeah you, you can't come away from like spending an hour with someone and then be lazy about it can you mm. like you, you feel more invested to kind of explain and describe something yeah. that mo- that bit more Um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll just leave them to do what, what they do. Like, I mean, there's no point in getting too involved in what all that is. But, like, I definitely have my opinions on being labelled, you know, these generic things. Like, I think, like, the South London scene or anybody involved with Dan Carey, like, often, like, press can label that kind of in a really reductive way. Like, it's it's not great because there's so much variety yeah. within it. Like, um it's just silly to be, you know, stamping it with... Uh, I'm not going to actually even label anything right now, but it's just silly to be stamping, like, whole um, different age groups of people, different bands uh, with these one like these marks. Um, you would understand more people, like, mm. outside of the UK, maybe in Europe or maybe in America, trying to group it because yeah. they're, they're thinking, oh, this, this British scene... A lot of us aren't even British, you know, yeah. when we're living in London. Um, so it's... I feel part of a lot of different groups in a way, but I also feel quite like uh, uh, on my own. I think I just, yeah, I like to think of myself in my uh, like uh, just 
uh, as what I'm doing and try to stay focused on that and mm. not narrow it down too much. It is interesting because whenever, if ever I'm interviewing or so- someone or something, my friends or housemates will ask me about the music and they want me to describe and I just send them the Spotify link and yeah. say, listen, I'm intrigued when you meet people in a, at the pub or at a party and yeah. they ask you about your music, what do you say? You know, I never really actually describe it. I end up saying a bit about the process. Mm. So I say, yeah, I write, I, I write uh, it starts with lyrics. I write these pieces and they're kind of like start kind of quite unconscious and then I edit them. They become like kind of poems in structure. Yeah. Um, some free form, some more formed, like some more like traditional form. Uh, and then... I take it to the boys and we collaborate on the music. Yeah. I, I kind of talk about like how it comes together and then that gives people an idea but then of course they go to oh, poems and music, who does that sound like? But then, you know, just mm. just have a listen. <laughs> have a listen and let me know. Um, but I'm surprised sometimes I get like people give kind of references like far and wide, like really far and wide sometimes and that's great and the more of that that's that's really welcome I have no problem with people comparing because that's how you access art you always compare if you can't say something is like something else then you're you're not really able to interact with it you that's how you interact with with them and it is difficult if you're trying to describe something it is difficult to find the words and I think sometimes talking about the way it made you feel is perhaps Mm. easier or the elements as opposed to as you said, like kind of trying to box, yeah. but it is hard. It is <laughs> yeah. when as, this is why, you know, music is what it is because it's a it's a feeling. It's not really yeah. something you can describe. No, exactly. Like, I feel like the people at Spotify and like in the record shops and stuff. That's like one of the last stages of the process, mm-hmm. right? So when the music is out, it's distributed and it has to then be categorized. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so someone is doing that. I actually used to always go into Rough Trade and ask, where is the poetry section? <laughs> I did that for years. <laughs> I did that for years. I wonder if they have one now. I wonder who's in it. I wanted to talk about your new single, your latest single, mm. Holy Country. Can you tell me a little bit about the writing process for this song and how it came about? Yeah. Holy Country, I think it's quite a different one. Mm. From the, like, yeah. I mean, it's not different from what's on the album it's a hint of what's kind of on the album um in terms of how it was produced and the sounds and stuff Mm. but it is quite different to kind of some of the stuff we had before um so when I started writing this like it's lyrically it's there's a lot of kind of stuff about Ireland there's some there's some stuff about like there's some storytelling and myth and kind of all of these threads from like uh where I grew up and yeah like the surroundings and the landscape and stories I'd heard um, about the place itself and uh, this well I found on the property my parents live on which I found on an ordnance survey map when I was I don't know how that happened I had an instinct to check ordnance survey maps like I had this feeling of like I was kind of yearning for home it was during the pandemic I was kind of yearning for well my garden at home not like homesick I was just really like wanting to be in that garden for lack of gardens here and I was checking out these ordnance survey maps came upon all the holy wells in the area I'm like dad there's like a holy well in our garden um and he's like yeah there is that we covered over it when you were children so that you wouldn't fall into it but I'm like I think I fell into it (laughs) metaphorically like I feel like I'm in it I kept like the lyrics are like I've been hearing whispers from your wells like and this before I 
like found out about it so i was writing this piece yeah your sixth sense was active (laughs) very intuitive sometimes (laughs) so yeah like because it's quite personal and like to do with like land and like ireland and Mm. there is some like subversions of the myth and everything like it's not necessarily all like sentimental you know there's yeah some part but basically the for the music i was really clear on i wanted kind of the music to be quite like I kind of imagine like Tetris or like Lego blocks or like and kind of like a mo- a rumbling monster. I wanted it to be like to explode apart mm. the words. Um, I just needed kind of like a quite a rough and quite a brutal uh, contrast to the sentimental kind of yeah stream of lyrics. I mean, it's not exactly the opposite. It's just some sort is somewhere on the spectrum a contrast. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I just needed that like to kind of offset. Um, I wouldn't want it to be like a ballad and but we had these like nice nylon string guitar parts and it almost feels like there's like uh, a feeling of like that you're going to start doing a, a traditional dance there's a little bit of that in it like I don't mm. know whether it's Irish dancing or line dancing or you know there's this kind of a rising feeling there's some surf guitar and slide in there as well there's there's quite a lot of different um, things when when we got to producing it which I feel like give it real, like it makes it more kind of meaty, like mm. than if the words had been put to kind of a f- more folk kind yeah. of thing. Um, I did that kind of quite a bit on the record, actually, kind of offsetting, you know, the the earthy kind of ness of some of the the words yeah. with music in that way. I stare at walls when I feel hollow. I stare straight down the hall and I follow the thoughts. Fountains under stones in springs I have a soft fascination with these things. And you talk about staring at walls when you feel hollow. Yeah. Tell me about this. Yeah, that line. So that's sometimes what happens to me with these hook lines. I, I call them hooks. They're just like my hooks. <laughs> um, I kind of, this line just kept coming to me. I suppose it was like a way to, a place, okay, a place to put your, um, uh, like I don't know doubt or feel it like negative feelings mm. I was just quite conscious of what what do I do when I'm not feeling good or right or something is off where do I put that I have to be careful where to put that I don't that doesn't need to go on to other people that doesn't that doesn't need to just come out in kind of like uh, these direct like lyrics or mm. you know like I was yeah I was kind of meditating on that a bit and then I kind of found that putting it into somewhere kind of neutral like a neutral place um could be the most active pursuit with it um and following it so that that's the important part following the thought like all the way down the hole and seeking like what what is that uncomfortable feeling um like I'm quite into uh yeah like finding you know when I have a problem I'm like I saw I'm a problem solver like I I journal all the time I'm like I'm into like self-care in a big way mm. like it's part of how I make make sure my writing is is gonna continue and keep happening yeah. I need to I really need to take care of myself and my mental health and um so that's a little bit touching on that um yeah I know it seems like a funny thing like I stare at walls when I feel hollow I stare straight down the hall and I follow the thoughts yeah I found <laughs> I found it so interesting because I am um, I struggle with this what you were talking about before when you suddenly yeah. had this sudden space after leaving mm. Vivian and then everything sort of catches up with you yeah. and when there is this space in my life sometimes because I'm so busy all the time yeah 
I'm, I, that's when I feel my worst. That's when it comes. Yeah, yeah. It, that's when it comes. And I'm so guilty of trying again quickly to find the distraction, going back to work, going, you know, going out or listening to a podcast or something because just to, to make something else louder than, you know, yeah. the thoughts in my head. And mm-hmm. that's why that lyric really kind of struck a chord with me because I was like so admirable and brave to see it and follow it and kind of see where it takes you and and much a much healthier process yeah and sometimes I mean it can feel really hard to be inactive and passive but being gentle and like kind to yourself Mm. in those moments it's so hard at the time though at the time you think like I think I need to fix yeah I need to fix I need to do yoga I need to go out and yes listening to podcasts and like in those moments I rarely want silence but yeah. in the moments when I'm really well and really good and have energy silence you know feels feels good so I start to I start to know why my behavior is when I actually am needing a bit of like introspection and, yeah. and actually a bit of a gap um, it's like the hardest thing to do isn't it just to be a bit passive and sit in it for a sec but I think that's when it can just take quite a few days for the things to come up though mm. It's not like, okay, and then you finish work and you have a bit of a gap and you're like, okay, well, I feel a bit weird and it starts to happen. It starts yeah. to manifest and then something comes. Then you need to understand what it is. Then you need to process it. But yeah, having the patience in those moments. Um, yeah. And the courage. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. To face whatever it is <clears throat> that's coming up. Yeah, listening to it, listening to the voices. Yeah, because I feel like um, like parts of the unconscious, they become really unhealthy when when they're not listened to so no matter how like negative they seem or like you know I mean it's the last thing you're going to want to do in a moment like that be like yeah I can hear I can hear these things happening inside and now I need to actually go into it further great that's going to be boring and annoying (laughs) and I'm not going to feel like doing stuff and but I mean clearly like I mean it's it's easy to talk about now you know feeling okay then you can be objective but yeah I just think it is helpful being reflective in like being ready for an, when another time when stuff can mm. come up again and um, yeah just get the wall ready have a blank wall <laughs> <laughs> top advice <laughs> get the wall ready the ceiling always works if not I used to write on my ceiling when I was studying I remember like in my house in Limerick there's all these scribbles like reminding me like focus <laughs> okay so future what song did you pick from I your future I chose Salt Coast by Kate Tempest so this is a very new one um, obviously Dan has worked on it mm. so uh, I just kind of listen to everything Dan does I also love Kate so yeah this song I feel like what Kate has done in this is put put words in yet another um, uh, category category yeah so like the music is doing one thing which is kind of supportive and mm. almost like expanding on what the words are saying um i think it's an ode uh, like a it's, it sounds a bit like a love song to to the yeah the, to britain to the coasts to the seaside mm. place um what also sounds like that it's you know there's some there's something about someone who who's loved in the in the song um which is yeah, there's like comparisons drawn. I yeah. think um, it's really, really beautiful. Have Have you listened? Yeah, to it? yeah, beautiful. it's incredible. Like the the tone, the way it's sung or spoken is 
slightly like uh, I don't know po- poignant um, yeah. in a way but then the music is kind of quite open and uh, it's like a it's like an epiphany is happening it's like a discovery is happening yeah. um, at the same time and yeah those two things working together I, th- I just think it's yeah reached yet again a new place and Kate always manages to kind of put poetry in a new space and it's something I'm trying to do as well I, I think it, poetry needs to be seen in this modern contemporary way it's like let's get rid of these old-fashioned kind of associations these academic associations with it and um, put stuff like this in front of like really young people I think it's so mm-hmm. accessible um, it's so listenable exactly you know, yeah. everything um, I just think it's really really brilliantly done um, I could listen to it all the time the yeah, lyric that really um, struck a chord with me, I wrote it down. Six hours into some TV show that tastes like the pizza. feeling of pizza. I know. It's just like what we were just talking about, um, opening up something else to distract you that feels yeah. comfortable. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, there's so many, so many great lines in that. There's another one about um, the pub and like waiting all this time to get, this is not the lyric clearly, but waiting all this time to get ID so that you can go into a pub and drink about your forgotten youth or something. Yeah, it's like wow. rushing ahead. Yeah, like bypassing your own youth. Yeah, yeah, youth is wasted on the young is probably one of the best cliches. I love cliches. I've been talking about this <laughs> lately with my boyfriend. We decided the cliches are just good ideas. They are because, like, the reason they that come resonate up, with lots of people. Yeah, they come around <laughs> again and again and again, and why it's. It's cliche. Like, why? Why does it feel uncomfortable to kind yeah. of these cliches? It's, but maybe they can be put into new into new language, and then, I mean, that's kind of like when I talk about myths in in my in my songs and my mm-hmm. my poems, or cliches or like classic ideas. New language can be the refresher, you know, for the yeah. idea. Yeah. I'm I'm queen of cliches. <laughs> Ask anyone I know. I'm always <laughs> dropping them. <laughs> Obviously, this podcast is very kindly supported by Great Escape, mm. and you'll be playing there next month, yeah. which is so exciting. Can't wait. So how are you feeling about the festival, and how did it feel to kind of be part of such a big pivotal festival for the industry and new artists? Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I've been going for years with all of my friends who've been in bands for, mm-hmm. for a lot longer than I have. I've always gone. Um it's quite a saga, isn't it? It's amazing. Like you just you see so much. I feel like as well because it's in Brighton, um, it and everything is in walking distance. You cover so much more so than going to you know these kind of discovery festivals in other cities. Um, yeah, I think it's it's probably like one of yeah one of the best really for discovery, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's, it's like not the cast, just the forecast. It <laughs> is. Yeah, it's a bit. It's kind of predictive. Yeah, that's it. That's what it is. Great Escape is predictive. Yeah, I can't wait. I I'm gonna like have my ears and eyes open for what else is happening, and I think we're gonna be playing multiple performances. Um, I think details of all of that are gonna be mm. coming really soon. Yeah. Is there anyone in particular that you're excited to see? Well, mainly on these things, you know, it's just discovering. Something I want to I want to find some new stuff. I always go and support and see my friends, whoever mm. I know is playing, always because that's really important. But. I yeah I hope to see some kind of unknown bands maybe or even people who are like you know coming up and whatever that I just haven't managed to yet because like I'm not back fully in the swing of like week going to gigs weekly I used to go to like three gigs a week just like around yeah. London like East London Peckham whatever 
um, slowly, slowly getting back in. But um, yeah, this is a condensed version. Yeah. How lucky. <laughs> cheat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> this will be my first time. So really? I'm so excited. Yeah. And we have a stage there this year, so you'll have oh, to come see. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Very exciting. So I'm so intrigued. Obviously, you have an album on the way. Can you can you give me a summary somehow of what, if you can, Difficult. of what do you expect <laughs> from this album? Yeah. So the album is called Time Bend and Break the Barrier, and it's out on June the 10th. June is my magic month. It's my birthday. A lot of the females in my life, actually. Or, or Gemini's are in June I feel like it's I'm a Gemini wow <laughs> here we go it's just really feels like natural and great that it lands in June yeah so that makes me really happy Um. so yeah like thematically and everything the album I think it's it's very it's a kind of like a, an opening up of delving into more of like who I am Um. there's a lot of discovery and kind of um yeah like personal growth happened during that time in quite a condensed space of time Mm. like kind of my creative process um like during the album I left my design job at Westwood a pandemic was happening I don't write about the pandemic good news for everybody (laughs) (laughs) um I kind of yeah I think although there's writing about like everyday things and you know of course stuff that I came up against and everything um something I like to zoom out a bit on it I I don't think like I'm not going to go into the songs or the themes at this Mm. point but um to zoom out a bit I I to give it context I I wanted to find new ways of working with words with um language and form in combination with the music in order to yeah to elevate poetry and the idea of what people think poetry is so a bit like what we just touched on mm. with um there's something i admire about k tempest um putting it in a contemporary space something like everybody has access to it it's the fastest section fastest moving section of culture is language mm. and that thought just blows my mind and i think i think that's all i need to say really like that's that's probably like why I'm doing what I do. I mean, how exciting is that? Like, that's that's a reason to. Yeah. I mean, I want I want to go on right now, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's kind of like a bottom line, underlying thing in the album. I know that's not giving too much insight about the themes and everything, but we have we have a new single coming in a little bit, so it'll be another taster, and and then you'll have to wait till June. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, so we ask everyone at the end of this podcast. Um, if you could change something about the future, huge question, what would it be? Yeah, I have something I'm trying to change right now, but I think it's something I can actively work on. Okay. Um, so, like, about the music industry and about women, um, it's this thing which we're all familiar with about the festival lineups, actually. Yeah, big, big um, thing. It's a big one, and it's a big one for every every female, you know, female act. Um, I... Apart from like, yes, we want female headliners and everything. I understand that you, like the festival bookers and, you know, everything, you, they need to wait until people are at the right stage in their career. So stages need to be full of female acts coming up along the way. I think what can be actually done is there, and I'm going to try and do this actually with some of my friends. We were talking about this to get together and try to put together between us, like present a, a group of us and be like, 
here we are, we're all at similar stages in our careers, uh, some further along, some, you know, starting out maybe. Mm. Um, none of us yet maybe are like at at the headline. At, yeah. We're not at the headline stage yet, but put put on stages that are curated with females who are coming up and let them be present and be seen because I think it's the middle part. Like it's, it's not yeah. too hard to get on a stage at, any festival really like if you have a booking agent I mean there, then you have the chance right yeah um, even if you don't I mean there's the emerging talent competitions but what happens if you're past that like entry point stage mm. and you're you have an album um, you know you're booking bigger gigs in Europe you're you're booking in America um what happens with your UK festivals and what happens in the gap in the years between entering and headlining yeah well you need to be programmed year after year you you need to be able to like progress and grow so yeah I almost think it's essential and I think um I'm gonna start really I think I'm gonna start approaching like some of the bookers for the stages to put on and program like quite yeah hefty stages of like female acts yeah I think that could be like a way to kind of have presence and have visibility about that about that issue um yeah, but I think also year after year, this is something like obviously booking agents are kind of mostly in charge of um, is the progression as well of, of your bookings. That's the crucial part. So when you start to get those initial bookings the next year, are are you being put on a, a bigger stage? Yeah, it, should, it needs to it get needs, bigger it, and bigger. It does. And like we we had some really great festivals last year. We had at Green Man, we had Wall Garden and it was pretty much at capacity. Like and mm. um, what's happen what's next year? Like what's happening next year? Yeah. Like for me that was a successful booking, successful experience. For confidence reasons as well though. Like yeah. people need to be put on bigger stages. So yeah. they, they they know that they can do it. Exactly. And and also like um w- like people coming to festivals and seeing female acts on bigger stages, mm. it changes um, your expectation or your impression of it changes your impression of an artist and which kind of a setting that they're being programmed on like yeah. that's really important so programming females on like the different size stages and um, different slots and yeah prog- seeing the progression so I think yeah that middle ground that's kind of where I'm going to that's the bit that needs kind of work. work on it a bit as, as much as I can with some friends I think that can be proactive if we get a group of people together and kind of present it like that I mean it's making it easy isn't it mm. for, for the bookers I mean how if they're going to yeah. say no to that I mean then it's blocked then there's going to be a problem because then it's, it's a be choice blocking. of exclusion exactly yeah exactly thank you so much Sinead I've just loved this conversation it's been so lovely yeah thank you me too I always love a conversation <laughs> get some new insights and references Thank you so much to the brilliant Sinead O'Brien for her time. I am so excited to see her perform at The Great Escape in a couple of weeks. I believe she's doing a couple of performances over the weekend, so if you are heading down, definitely make sure to catch one. By the sounds of it, we are in for a treat. Next week, I will be speaking to another brilliant artist from the lineup, Any. So do keep an eye out for that episode dropping soon. And she's also going to be doing the spotlight show for The Great Escape alongside Thames and Gabriels. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more about Vocal Girls, we're at Vocal Girls Club on socials and vocalgirls.com. And you'll find The Great Escape over at Great Escape Fest on socials or greatescapefestival.com. You've been listening to the Vocal Girls podcast. I've been your host, Megan Gray. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.